Hey everybody, welcome to another REI In Your Car podcast. Should I call it REI In Your Car or REIM In Your Car? I think I'm leaning towards REI In Your Car because just fewer syllables and uh, but I do I've been doing REIM to make make sure everybody knows that it's part of the real estate investing mastery podcast looking back I wish I would have come up with a shorter name when I came up with the name of the podcast I picked real estate investing mastery because I wanted it to I wanted people to know it was about real estate investing and at the time there was only, man, about three or four podcasts that were actively being done at the time. Sean Terry, uh, the real estate guys, Jason Hartman, and, you know, that might have been it. Matt Terrio was just getting started. Uh, by the way, I know all these guys, and they're all good friends. Uh, pretty much I like everybody who's doing podcasts. I don't have, well, hmm. <laughs> There's a few that I don't like, actually. But I'm not going to tell you who they are because it's none of your concern. It's none of my concern either. I mean, I love podcasting. There's actually only one guy that I don't like who's doing podcasts. Wow, why am I even talking about that? Uh, but there's so many good podcasts out there. You've got Bigger Pockets. You've got Sean Terry. You've got Matt Terrio, Justin Williams. Um... Even the flip nerd, Mike Hambright, my good old homeboy, Corey Boatwright's got a new podcast out. There are at least six or seven others that I've completely forgotten all about. But when I got started, it's been five years ago now, uh, it was just a few of us that were actively doing podcasts. And how many of you remember the Get Real Real Estate Investing Podcast? You remember that show, Jason something Voss, Jason Hudson, something like that. There was a guy... With that kind of a name, I'm sorry, I forget his name. It was a really good show. I liked it a lot. I don't know what happened. I heard the rumor mills were that some issues were going on in his personal life, and it just came too much, I guess. But then, uh, probably in the last couple of years, podcasting has really taken off. A lot more listeners, a lot more um, excitement about podcasting, a lot more people doing it. There's a lot of good podcasters out there doing some good stuff. So I'm, what a great platform. You know, you can listen to almost any topic under the sun, listen to people talking about stuff and sharing stuff. And one of the reasons why I'm doing this In Your Car podcast with just me talking is because I wanted to um, get away from the kind of the old traditional format that everybody seems to be doing now, which is interviews. A lot of interviews, and it's good. But I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, but I'm kind of tired of hearing interviews. I want to hear some stuff. And who knows, pretty soon, uh, maybe, maybe I'll start going back to wanting to do more interviews again. Interviews are good. I'm not knocking them because I still do them. A lot of people do them. Um, but anyway, I want to tell you something else, too. I've, I just left my fourth store. I love shopping. I'm just kidding. No, I left my fourth store because I had to return a bunch of stuff. You know, who can relate when you, all the returns just are stacking up, piling up in your car, and pretty soon you can barely fit your kids in the car anymore? <laughs> I'm not kidding, it's not that bad. That was a bad joke. 
But uh, I had we had so many returns, and I still only got to like four of the six stores, and uh, about three hundred and fifty dollars worth of stuff that I just returned. That you know we've bought, we just didn't want, or it didn't the wasn't the right color. Oh man, I need to outsource this stuff. I need there's if anybody wants to start a new business, you should start a, re, a business that can return things for people. I would gladly pay somebody to return all of our stuff for us. Uh, anyway, maybe yeah, you could just get paid like a certain percentage of what you return. Like you get twenty percent of whatever you return, you get to keep for yourself. I would do that. All right, so um, what I want to talk about today, uh, I did a podcast earlier and I was talking about, you know, making offers to sellers on the MLS. No, sorry, I was talking about making offers on deals. And a lot of sellers are, just aren't motivated. It's not the right time to do it or they need some time to think about it. They're just not motivated yet, right? And so I... I'm a firm believer, and I've seen it successfully done in my business and in coaching clients' businesses. And a lot of, I belong to some masterminds, and I've seen it done a lot with a lot of success with other folks. Sending offers to every lead that comes in. And I want to take it one step further. You need to train your VAs to make those offers for you. VA, I mean virtual assistant. Now, let's see. Should I go this way? Or the long, more scenic route. I got to pick up my daughter. I have 15 minutes to get there. I am going to go the more scenic route. All right. So, if any of you want to know where I live, if you go to Google and do a search for Babbler State Park, we live right next to Babbler State Park. <laughs> so, the choices that I have to pick up my daughter are either down the east side of Babbler or down the and down and around the west side of Babbler and I'm going to go down the west side of Babbler State Park okay so anyway uh, you should always be making offers and, and my friend Todd Toback kind of coined this phrase I think it was him unless he stole it from someone else but I want to give him credit anyway it's no lead left behind Todd's a real good friend um, in fact I'm going to be doing promoting one of his products in the near future about the uh, sales system he's just one of the he's a phenomenal uh, sales trainer he trains people to close deals for him on the phone and he does tons of deals all over the country just he's a rock star he's awesome so if you want to check out his podcast go to no limits real estate podcast i think it is no limits real estate or something like that it doesn't update it as much as he used to but it's still really good you go back and listen to his archives it's phenomenal so shout out to todd if todd's listening to this hey buddy so anyway, no lead left behind, right? What does that mean? Well, it means that, number one, every lead that comes in gets answered. You know, when a call comes in from a seller, you answer the phone, all right? Number two, it means that every lead that comes in gets an offer made to it. Even if they tell you no to jump off a cliff, to take a hike, send them an offer in the mail anyway. And follow up with them. Because they called you for a reason. Even if it's to tell you, you know, take my name off your mailing list. Okay, maybe, I don't know. I'd still send them an offer anyway. Put something in the mail. Something friendly and nice. And, hey, I'm sorry for bothering you earlier today. But if you ever decide to sell your house, I'd be interested in buying it. Uh, so it means answering the phones. It means sending an offer to every lead. 
That means every lead needs to go into your CRM, whether you're using Podio or FreedomSoft or Google Spreadsheets, whatever you're using, and you're not using Post-it notes and yellow legal pads of paper, right? Right? Yep, right? Okay. Those of you that are, tisk, tisk, tisk. I'm not going to say shame on you because it's not that's not nice. But you need to be using a CRM. I remember one of the first courses that I bought. In fact, it might have been Todd Tobax. He has a, he had a course on lease purchasing that I bought way way back in 2008, 2007 maybe. Uh, he said on there, get a CRM. You need to track all of your leads and start building a database of buyers and sellers. And I thought, ah, hooey. I don't want to do that. It's too much work. I don't, want, I don't need to do that. If they don't want to do a deal now, then just pass and go on to the next one. Big, big mistake, okay? Big mistake. You should always be keeping track of all of your leads, buyers and sellers, and they should all be going inside of a CRM. Um, all right, so every lead gets put into a CRM. Then every lead gets an offer, okay? <clears throat> and then you follow up with every lead that comes in. Now, how do you send the offer? I just wanted to talk about that real quick. Um, if the seller's not motivated, which is going to be most of them, right? I don't know, 75% of your leads, 80% of your leads are not going to be motivated and ready to do a deal. That's fine. No means not yet. Okay, when it comes to real estate and only real estate. <laughs> All right, do you understand? Many times with a seller, they just need time to cook. When they tell you, no, they're not ready to sell yet. That means no, not yet. They're not ready to sell now, but they will want to sell eventually down the road. So you need to hound them and follow up with them and stay on top of them and focus on your follow-up. So one of the things I like to do is I like to send physical offers in the mail to all of my leads that come in. And all you need is a property address, right? So if you have the property address, then you can look up the owner's mailing address on county records and you can start. You can mail them an offer, mail them a letter. Okay, and then add them to your follow-up campaign. So when I mail my initial letter after talking to them, and I have my VA do this, um, we just send a, a, an option, a three-option letter of intent. And you know, this is something that I didn't invent. I've, there's a lot of guys that have been doing this for a long time. And uh, Matt Terrio from the Epic Real Estate Investing Podcast. Shout out to Matt. Matt's a good friend. Great course. I highly recommend his Epic Wholesaling course. It's really good. Um, He's been doing this for a while. Uh, I've also learned this from other guys in the past, courses that I bought. Sending sellers letter of intents and letter of intents with options in them. I remember uh, Chris Kirshner taught this stuff with his auto. Who remembers Chris Kirshner? Autopilot real estate stuff. Do you remember that stuff? Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of subject twos. <laughs> and if you know of those courses, you might know why. But... So I've always been a fan of you know, creating multiple offers, giving the sellers multiple options. And so one of the cool things that happens, one of the cool things that happens when you start um, doing that is it gets your foot in the door, right? And if a seller rejects your cash offer, they'll see your other options and think, oh, wait, what's this here? What's this all about? So here are the three options that I typically do. And I'll do two different three options, right? Sometimes I'm pursuing lease option deals, lease purchase deals. Sometimes I'm pursuing just regular buying deals. And I'll do this on the cheaper end homes, like homes under $75,000. Those are the kind of homes that I'm typically going to sell to a landlord. 
and a landlord, they buy houses based on ROI. And usually those are rental properties, right? So for them, I will do a, for those kinds of deals, I'll do a three option letter of intent. The first one being a cash offer. And I calculate that based on the um, rents and what it would give a return to an investor. I typically use 15% working backwards, figuring about 40% for expenses. So you just take, you know, the rents times 12, so you get your annual rent. Multiply that by 60%, so that takes out 40% for taxes, insurance, vacancies, maintenance, repairs, management, all that good stuff, right? Then I take out, I divide that number, because that's your, like, oh, I forget, I'm, what is that, your net operating income? Okay, that's your annual net operating income. You divide that by 15%, so you're going to advertise this house at 15% cash on cash. And then you subtract repairs then you subtract your wholesaling fee right and so that's your cash offer if it's a retail house a nicer house that you're going to sell to a rehabber you're going to use your typical standard 70 percent mayo formula right the after repair value times 70 percent minus repairs minus your wholesaling fee and that'll be your cash offer so two different kinds of cash offers right and if it's a cheaper end home i will make my three options will be cash and seller financing interest-only payments, seller financing with uh, principal-only payments, okay? Seller financing interest-only, seller financing principal-only payments. And that way, you know, I can I can still get into the deal pretty good. So on the cheaper end deals, cash offer, which is based on 15% net ROI, net cash on cash to the investor that I sell it to. Then normally what I do for the uh, owner financing offers, you got to put it into a little spreadsheet or something where you can figure out, you know, as long as you're making a certain amount of cash flow, you can set it up where you give close to full retail value with a small amount down um, and then like 6% interest only payments. And you got a good cash flowing machine. Um, and that kind of a deal you can either keep for yourself or you can wholesale. The principal only payments, since it's principal only payments, no interest. Your monthly payments are going to be a little more, and your uh, purchase price will be a little more. But every payment will be principal-only payments. So there's every payment, every dollar you're paying goes down to paying down your debt. So there's nothing better than an interest-free loan, right? So those are three good options, and each of them the price goes higher. Option one is going to be the lowest, all cash. Then option two, with seller financing, interest-only payments is going to be a little higher. And then principal-only payments, seller financing is going to be even higher still. And sometimes you can break, you can set it up where if you do seller financing with principal-only payments, you can give them almost full value. So the way they have it set it up is if I have a lead that comes in and they're not motivated to sell today, then what we do is we just send the lead to my virtual assistant, and my virtual assistant just puts some numbers in from Zillow into the spreadsheet, and then calculates the three options and sends the letter and she can send it from the Philippines through Google Docs and I have a calculator spreadsheet thing that does this and I can uh, I gotta think of a way to give you that to you maybe what I'll do is I'll come up with a link and give you guys that link you can take a look at it uh, so how do we figure the uh, those numbers what do we look for out of Zillow well I'm just wanting the Zillow's estimate value I don't care how accurate it is. I'm just getting, it's just a letter of intent. I'm just getting my foot in the door. Uh, for rent, I use the rent's estimate that Zillow gives. For the repairs, I typically do $5 a square foot if they say it doesn't need any work. 
I'll do $10 a square foot if they say that it needs just carpet and paint. If it's just cosmetics, you know. And I'll do maybe $15, $20 a square foot if, it's, if I can tell it's going to be a full gut rehab. That's how we just figure out repairs, okay? If it's a nicer end home, it's pretty much the same thing, but I might want to do a lease purchase offer. And my lease purchase offers, I know I'm getting technical and going through numbers here. I hope you're following me. Um, the cash offer is 70% of Mayo, all right? Then the lease purchase offer, the middle, the second option is going to be my sandwich lease option deal. And typically with that, I want at least 15% equity. And I want $300 a month in cash flow, maybe $400 a month in cash flow. 15% equity and $400 a month in cash flow at the term of at least five years. That's my sandwich lease option offer. The ROI on that is crazy good. It's awesome. Get the great thing I love about lease purchases like this is you get cash up front, you get cash flow, and you get cash at the end, and you don't have to use any of your own money or credit to get into the deal. Okay? Very, very awesome way to structure deals. Then my third option on the nicer homes, if I want to do a lease purchase on them, is going to be just a lease option assignment or what I, you know, my wholesaling lease option deals. I'll give them whatever price they want, whatever rent they want for two years. So I, I sell it to the seller if they call me back and I tell them, listen, well, the, there's my cash offer. A little bit higher is going to be the sandwich lease purchase offer. And I call that my perfect tenant program where I'm going to stay in the middle. I'll be the tenant. I'll manage it. I'll take care of the vacancies and the repairs if the numbers work. All right. Then the third option is I'll just get it under a lease option to contract. And if and when I find somebody that meets my minimum criteria, which is basically that they have a realistic chance of getting a mortgage in one or two years and they can afford the house, then I'm just going to assign or sell my lease option contract to them for a fee. Does that make sense? So all of the technical details, I know I went probably a little too deep than, than what you might be used to. <laughs> and hopefully I made sense. Uh, but the point is, send them something. Get an offer in the mail. Send it to them. Even if it's just a cash offer, okay? Even if it's just a cash offer and maybe you say, listen, there's other things that maybe we could do. Just give me a call and we can talk about it. Always, always, always send an offer in the mail to every lead com that comes in. And then follow up with them. Send all of your old leads once a month, a postcard or a letter, a text message. Just call them. You know, if you don't want to talk to them, do a slide dial. And slide dial all of your old leads and leave them a voicemail. Cool? That's how you get wealthy in this business, guys. That's how you make a lot of money in real estate. Whoever does the most follow-up makes the most money. And you can't go broke making money. Nope. That's a tweetable right there. Write that down. Put that on your uh, on a post-it note on your uh, vision board. <laughs> okay, you can't go broke making money, so it's real simple. It's, we're just talking about basic things here, guys. All right, let's do this. Uh, I don't know what else to say, and this is already getting whoa close to twenty minutes. I apologize. So, if you want more information, you want to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. You want to apply to work with me. I don't take everybody. In fact, I take less than half the people that apply for my coaching, whether it's group coaching or one-on-one, -on -one, uh, for various reasons. But um, this business, it's important, you know, and it's important that you take it seriously. And you need to invest in yourself. You need to invest in your education. And if you're willing to invest in you, and if you're willing to invest time and money into marketing, then let's talk. Go to joemccall.com slash coaching. 
joemccall.com slash coaching, or you can also go to reijoe.com. All right, guys, take care. Any questions? Hey, remember, I have my podcast hotline, right? So if you have any questions, dial this number and shoot me a text or a voicemail, and I will answer your question on a, on a podcast, 636-255-8815, 255-8815. And the more questions I start getting in, I'll start answering those questions in an REI in your car podcast. All right, take care. Comb your hair.